Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. On today's episode of The Glue Guys, just positive, Brian, stacking positive dubs, vibes. You know, how can you be down at something like this? We're stacking dubs. Nine in the last ten. The Nets are caliente. Muy. For my French listeners, that means they're hot. <laughs> Your what listeners? Sorry. I'm sick. I'm sick. <laughs> Into I'm the show. the glue guys this is mike here say hello brian hello. check us out on twitter at pk glue guys netsdaily.com the athletic get yourself on the paywall theathletic.com slash glue guys a subsidiary of the new york times brian the nets actually authentically Dude, for real truly fully and forever the nets are back we got a full roster here mike people are back uh, duh, 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 duh. the whole game um, back as you said in the in the tease, the Nets are stacking dubs. They are stacking more dubs than Amazon is boxes for the holidays. You know what I'm yeah. saying? The only team stacking more dubs is the Pels. All of a sudden, how about those Pels, Mike? Is this going to be a Pe- Pels, Pels Nets cast? final? A little Pels, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I I am authentically. I mean, I'm always happy to be with you. I'm always happy oh. to be potting with you. It's good to see you. Um, but I'm extra especially excited to be potting with you because this team is. Is fun, and I'll say this, Brian. You know me. Mm-hmm. When a story like the Nets have been sniffing around, John Collins comes up from friend of the show, Sham Sharania. Yeah. I usually dive in nose first. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, this snout's going straight into that that buzzard pie. Okay, but um, I don't even care. I mean, we're going to talk about trades. This is an official mailbag episode, and there's a trade question in here. Sure, and I will I will lightly touch on that. Yeah. I'm so enjoying this team and so enjoying what I'm seeing and excited by the possibilities yes. of it. Not saying championship, I'm just saying I'm liking it that I don't even really, I don't care about John Collins. Like I, I frankly, like the, the framework would have been John Collins for Joe Harris and it's not like Joe Harris is lighting the world on fire, but I don't, I don't need, I don't need John Collins in my life right now. I, I just want to watch this Utah Watanabe led basketball team. Yeah. I mean, if we want just a quick hot take on it, we talked about this in the Discord. Shout out to the Discord, discord.gg slash glue guys. If you're not sure. there, where are you? Absolutely. You're floating in space like Mike. Um, and I think the consensus was that, like, um, yeah, John Collins is probably having a weird down season, been trending downwards ever since the Clint Capella sort of era. Um, for spacing reasons or whatever. And fine, we can get into it. But here's the reality. I don't think the Nets would maximize the pick and roll talents that um, that John Collins might have that's been buried a little bit. It's just not that I just feel like we could we're more likely to banish that to the shadow realm than to 
than to pull that out of him. So, you know, and that's the truth with like all the guys that we're after, like adding another, like a fourth big name to this team is, you know, it's, it's attractive. It's fun, but also like imagine yet like another person eating that amount of usage touches, whatever it is. It's just going to be, it's tough. You want role players at this point. And and I don't know anything about John Collins. I've seen him on ESPN once and he seemed like a swell fella. Yeah. Uh, he went to Wake Forest, a, a school I've had a couple of friends go to, and I, I like my friends, so I imagine everyone at Wake is probably a nice person. Okay. Um, but it, the Hawks, if any team rivals the Nets in terms of dysfunction and angst, the Hawks are low-key, constantly angsty. I mean, yeah, it's an angsty it team. seems like Trey Young is absolutely feuding mm. with Nate McMillan. Known good guy, Nate McMillan. He got Lloyd Pierce fired. Mm-hmm. Known good guy, Lloyd Pierce. Um John Collins' name has been in trade rumors dating back since the Nixon administration. True. I don't know if this team needs uh, one of those no, dudes. Like no. that's just not the vibe. And especially when for. things are going so well for us right now, you know, there it is, you know, it's, yes, it's, it's yes. tough to just want to just stop time and be like, Hey, that's the team. And like, let's keep that. But it's, it's been, um, it's been good lately and it's tempting to want to be like, okay, cool. Like, let's just sit this. Let's, let's let this cake rest for a little bit. You know, it's, it's out of the oven. It's maybe coming together here. It just needs, or maybe it's what a meat. It could be it? a steak actually. Cause the steak needs to rest. I don't know. Yeah. The steak really does. Need to rest. What's the thing that they do on the British bake off before they have to like, they just let it sit there. What's that called? There's a whole name for it. Anyways, there's, really a, there's a. I only watched the American. There's bake a off phase of baking where you let it. Right. But anyways, I don't know if this is a steak or a cake, but it's going great. Whatever it is, or is it a steak cake? Could is be. it a, a cake made out of steak? Now you're talking like a Yorkshire. Otherwise known as a hamburger. <laughs> is that no. a hamburger? <laughs> I mean, yeah. If you bake it right in the is bun. ketchup anyways. the frosting in that situation. Anyways, um, um, it's going well. So what do you what do you like? You, you have some takes, Mike. Well. Uh, Real quick, did you see the story about the German prince who is leading a MAGA-like revolt in Germany to to bring back the yeah, the monarchy? I did see that, yeah. Um, and in there, it said that um, the the people that are referred to as they're like Reich burgers or something. And to me, in German, does burger mean of like I am of that something? So is a hamburger like you're saying you're of the people of the ham? Of is ham. that I mean, yeah. you, is that an earnest question? Because I don't, I'm not going to know the answer to that. But oh, you're yeah. usually pretty good on your <laughs> on those your German <laughs> lingua franca. <laughs> yeah. You know what's funny is that when you read that story, I swear we get back to the Nets. Yeah, this German 70 year old prince mm-hmm. who who uh, is leading this revolt that was arrested recently in Germany. He's 17th in the line for the throne that doesn't exist anymore. Mm. That is that's scraping the bottom of the barrel. That is, that's too far back in the rotation. Can I do a, you want to play a game with me? Okay. Shoot. Okay. Guess this person. Okay. This person is an MVP candidate. This person's on the top four team in their conference. This person's one of the greatest scorers of all time. This person is the greatest mid-range shooter currently in the NBA. This person, the narrative that you could build around this person is that they pulled an underachieving team with, uh, existential threats to the foundation of the franchise and turn them into a contender currently in their conference. This Whoa. person has won the MVP award before this person's on a absolute monstrous tear. Okay. And speaking of tears, this person is doing something no one has ever done while recovering from a tear the injury <laughs> that he suffered an Achilles tear injury. Wow. That person is Brian. Wait, I don't, I didn't get a chance to guess. 
Um, this is your oh, up. That's, oh, that's fill in the blank. <laughs> Who do you think that uh, is? Um, is it is it Kevin Durant, Mike? Did I get it? It, it is. Wow, uh, yeah. you're so. That was really good. Can, can I? You want to hear a crazy, bonkers stat? Since the start of November, so that was last month, and we're currently in the middle of December, which is another month. Kevin Durant has only had two games where he shot fewer than fifty percent from the field. Mm. In those two games, he shot 48% mm. in each of those games. Kevin Durant is doing things on the court that are absolutely unreal. He is shooting 56% from the field this season. For a guy who is a jump shooter, it's 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 bonkers. I mean, he's and it's not even that he's like he's shooting 35% from 3. So if you even really like boil down on what Kevin Durant is doing extremely well, I mean, obviously it's from the the mid-range and he's the mid-range god mm-hmm. at this moment and will be forever into the future. But, you know, this is both a blessing and a curse that okay. Durant and both, both he and er- Kyrie are so gifted from inside the three-point arc, from scoring buckets but not from really – they're not like Shea Gilgis-Alexander, who Gilgis alexander only just drives to the hoop constantly. Mm-hmm. That's what he does. They are, he is so gifted. He's shooting 63% from inside the three-point arc. And I would guess a majority of those buckets are mid-range shots. Um, And I understand – the national media, Brian, they don't want to give Kevin Durant his flowers. No. They don't want to give him a shot to be considered MVP candidate. They just want the good little boys and girls like Steph Curry and John Morant and all the happy, plucky little guards that they always want to support. Luka Doncic. Yeah. Chubby little Luka Doncic. A cherub, really. A, an abs- literally the definition of a cherub. Yeah. Um, he w- if Luca was in the Louvre, he would be one of those naked mm. little Cupid babies, big old fat cheeks, and that is a, what a cherub is yeah. with a little schmackle. Sh- yeah, as we as we say <laughs> nice. in, in the biz. Um, <laughs> but KD is averaging thirty points per game, one and a half, one point seven blocks per game, oh. five and a half assists, nearly seven rebounds, and again is shooting sixty three percent from inside the two point arc. Just as a frame of reference. Now, KD has been has been a much better three point shooter. This team is oddly, yeah. Um, with both Kyrie and KD are bad at three this year, relatively to where they've been. <laughs> KD's last best season from inside the three point arc, meaning two point shots, he shot sixty one percent over the course of the entire season. Was his first season with the Warriors. Mm. He's doing this now in that team. If I don't know if you remember. Had Steph Curry, Pretty Clay good. Thompson, yeah, Draymond team. Green, Andre Iguodala. This team has Utah Watanabe Come and on. Royce O'Neal. As Kevin Durant <laughs> himself said, I'm playing with Royce O'Neal, Joe Harris, Nick Claxton, and who I whoever Edmund Sumner. Yeah. <laughs> what, what do you expect? <laughs> whoever whoever else he dogged. I, we usually like, there's something about doing a podcast. Okay. Where you don't talk about the obviously good thing. Yeah, yeah. Right? No, it's true. We don't we don't focus on the obviously good thing. There's so much other stuff to talk about. You try to figure out how this team can improve. I, I think it's only right to really be like, hey, just so everyone's aware, what Kevin Durant's doing is not only like good for him, it's like great yeah. for everyone in, like, Historically in the history good. of basketball. Yeah. For, well, again, well, it is so hard to be that good from the field. 
if you're not a Dwight Howard dunker mm-hmm. or I mean, frankly, that's really like if you're just like a post player who who num nums on pick and rolls. Yeah. Right. Um, what have you seen from Kevin Durant this year? <laughs> you like what you're seeing? <laughs> I <laughs> do like think it was like where I, like I have a long thing I know I want to say, but I have nowhere to end yeah, it. Yeah, no, so it's I just good. Go, well, I, hey, do you like Kevin Durant? <laughs> my other thing is just like I, you know, I hate the MVP conversation. I think it's the, yes. I think it's a flawed, you know, sort of random people voting for it behind the scenes, pulling pulling levers that we can't see, you know, behind the behind the iron curtain, and sure. um, and so I don't like it, but also like, um, so I don't like totally engage on an on a yearly basis with what the actual metrics are for who wins it and who doesn't. And like, I mean, is he a, and you can tell me, Mike, is he like head and shoulders above the competition in terms of where he should be? Or I mean, where's he going to fall in the MVP voting here? Is he going to be fifth? You know, how, how, how bad are they going to dog him is, is my real question. Yeah. I mean, I think he's going to, I think fifth is like very accurate for just being off the top of your head. Yeah. Cause if you, if you do look at all the, if you look at all the categories, like who's doing really great this year, Luca Tatum. I mean, Luca's incredible. He his his usage has gone up, mm-hmm. um, which didn't seem possible. I think there's some stat where like Luca touches the ball a third of the game, and if you consider that, you know, the other team has the ball the other half of the game, it's it's yeah. a sizable chunk of the possessions. Um, of course, there's Jason Tatum and Anthony Davis has shown up and. You know, you go on down the list, there's like the NBA is fantastic. Shea Gilgis Alexander, if we're going to go real wild, is having a monster He's year. He's having a monster year. It's quite a thing. The thing I really want to drive home on Kevin Durant is it, yeah. when he tore his Achilles okay, and he came to Brooklyn, there was a discussion, and we had it here on the show, about what would Kevin Durant be? Like, what what was the reasonable expectation? And the line that people continually said was like, he would be late stage Dirk Nowitzki. He'd be a very good scorer, extremely great shooter, this but like we, kind of unathletic. We never listen to people and we should, we shouldn't start. And this is more evidence <laughs> of it. We never listen to these people. Now his, his road to this point in his career, let's just say it hasn't been smooth, <clears throat> right? Since the Achilles tear. Yeah. He didn't play a whole year. I I was doing a behind the scenes narrative podcast on the fact that Kevin Durant was going to play in that first year in Brooklyn because <laughs> now you you remember I did. we had an ep- we were recording an episode yeah with Evan Roberts the night the NBA shut down mm-hmm. and our one of our first reactions was literally oh my god maybe Kevin Durant comes back this year whenever the season starts and we edited it out of the podcast because it felt like. Poor taste. I like, how, like, poor I like taste how you're using to, we here, and but <laughs> but yeah, no, we did the, we did do that. Uh, and but yet, okay, of course, and he played 35 games in the first year that he was back. Uh, last year, he played 55 because he had that knee injury that totally destroyed the season. Yeah. Um, now he's playing an insane minutes load. Still, I mean, last year he was actually averaging more minutes per game. I don't know if people know that. But he, yeah. he was last year by a minute per game, um, <clears throat> half a minute per game, not that much, 30 seconds. So I shouldn't go that crazy with it. But um, the injury, if you looked at all the statistics, going back to the time of my narrative podcast about Achilles injuries, every single one pointed to like these, it was like a dozen cases across the NBA. Mm-hmm. Patrick Ewing was one of them when he was like 35. Um, Kobe was one of them when he was like 35, like these Achilles tears and like, Oh, your career completely craters. 
I mean, we Kevin Durant does not, there's no, I was like, how do you give credit for this? But it is freakish that this injury that we used to think was just a career ender, at least a career diminisher, he is shooting 63% from inside the two-point line and yeah. averaging 30 points per game and is the most efficient scorer in, in the NBA. It's quite at the age of 30, quattro. Quite a feather in the cap, Mike. Let's do this quick break coming back. We got we got to dive in that email. Go. Okay, let's do it. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And we're back. Brian, let's just jump let's do right it. in to that email bag. And that's first up, cheer boy, Andrew Magnata. He says, hey, glue guys, in the cadence of Goonies, um, a few things have come to mind since... I've never thought about that, by the way. That's pretty good. A few things have come to mind since the Nets win over Mike's Wiz Monday night. Let's go, Wiz! (laughs) The meme that was... I love that. That meme keeps rearing its head. I I gotta tell you more about that. Um, Monday night, regarding the idea that all the Nets' recent wins have been against teams with significant injuries. First, it is only... Is it only the Nets who are playing these undermanned teams? Are your teams resting star players against the Nets specifically? I don't really know, but I'm guessing players who are injured are sitting out multiple games and the results are generally mixed. Second, are the Wizards actually terrible? Kind of seems like it doesn't make a difference whether Beal plays or not. Porzingis seems disliked by all of his teammates and Kuzma might not be might be their best player. I was at Nets Wiz at Barclays on November 30th and I kept looking at the scoreboard to see if Bill was in the game or not. He had 25 points, but no impact whatsoever. Thirdly, what 
Would you consider success in this upcoming year-end stretch for uh, the Nets? Raptors, Pistons, Warriors, Bucks, Cavs, Hawks, Hornets. Four and three, three and four, five and two. Best, Andrew. Andrew, thank you. That was a um, a great email. Um, Andrew, if you want to hear my uh, Wizards, uh, yeah, Wizcast thoughts, you can listen to my other show, The Tape Boys, with my other friend David. <laughs> you got me scared you know, for a second. That seemed. <laughs> If you had a secret the glue podcast. guys and the tape boys, you like that? <laughs> Not it's bad. an adhesive really good. based theme. Really um, good. The Wizards are particularly bad if they don't have Chris Stapps and Beal. The, the Nets have truly feasted on teams where the top people are out. I could go through the schedule to like really analyze it, but I mean, the fact that the Hornets game was a scary game and yeah. I, I don't, didn't know half the people playing in that game uh, for the Hornets is something, but as even Nick Friedle, famous Nets hater himself said, you got to give the Nets credit. I mean, like, you know, they've won. They have two four-game winning streaks with a, a loss to the Celtics. Not an embarrassing loss wedged in between. This is a yeah. real – we're seeing real stuff. Well, there's also, like, the optics part of it. And I know it pained you to see, but, like, last night when the Nets were beating up on the Wiz uh, periodically. Um, I don't talk about it. You know, there was kind of like a vibier tone to the game than we'd seen in previous. Like, the that, the Hawks game – um, there's just like a little bit more and it's, and it's really encouraging to see Ben Simmons be part of the vibiness. Like he'll drop between the legs, weird little drop off pass to a trailing Kyrie Irving three that doesn't go in, but is fun to watch. Anyways, we're just like, things are happening a little bit more dynamically and flow, uh, a little bit more read and react. And, you know, we haven't talked about Ben Simmons that much in his recent return, but he's looked quite good. Mike, the whole thing's starting to come together. The cake is rising <laughs> back, back to the, to the cake. cake. I mean, if you what was what I really liked about the Wizards game last night, I understand that what happened. I mean, Chris Tepps didn't look correct the whole game. I actually watched it back this morning. You can see that um, little tension in the back. He he just didn't look good at all. And then uh, they took him out of the game, and we saw a lot of Jordan Goodwin, who I did not know existed. P- picked him up in fantasy because he had six steals, and then five steals, and then two steals. And I'm I need steals, Mike. So he yeah, got, he got you're that. an absolute steals vulture. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, but. This the Wizards game would have been a classic game the Nets would have lost in the past. Where if they had a bench performance that they got out of Utah, Cam Thomas, and Seth Curry, I think they combined for 17 shots and they each scored one field goal from the field. Um, now Cam Thomas got to the free throw line, so he had three more points at the free throw line. But horrible shooting from your bench. But TJ Warren, yeah, also a bench player, was six for ten, very reliable. Pull up jumper. We're seeing the that rough outline of what TJ Warren could be for this team. I've liked it. A that lot. is the that is the difference. And this team still doesn't have Royce O'Neal at this moment. They haven't they haven't really been full ever. Yeah. I don't think there's been a game where they've been their cup runneth over of role players. Yeah, uh, and it's exciting because you you enter in a situation where you as Jacques Vaughn as a coach, let's say you add Royce O'Neal back into the picture. Maybe some Edmund Sumner minutes disappear off of that. Maybe it's Cam Thomas's minutes because he played 19 minutes this game, even though he was electric against the Pacers. Um, you are mixing Curry, Watanabe, TJ Warren, whether it's you know Nick Claxton or Ben Simmons or Joe Harris or Royce. You're kind of mixing all these guys around Kevin Durant and Kyrie who are all very competent. You can ride the hot hand. You know, Seth Curry was really bad against the wizards but he's had great games too um i've actually liked how joe has leveled off mm. a little bit how, how, why be negative sure no. they've beat 
they've beaten bad teams, but or teams that really don't, you know, aren't that good. But the Hawks team, the Hawks were are a fighting team in the I'm East. Fighting out there. I do want to get to this though. This stretch coming up, I think this is an important end of the year stretch that people need to really grasp their minds around. The net, the Nets neck. We're recording this on a Tuesday. The Nets don't play again till Friday. Okay, so if you think about the decision that Jock Vaughn and the Nets made by sitting basically everyone against the Pacers, instead of playing a back to back, they sat everyone at the Pacers and got the dub. Then they get those. So they got Saturday, Sunday off the the starters. They played Monday in Washington. Then they're not going to play again until Friday. You're basically giving Kevin Durant all those guys like an all star break, like mm-hmm. rest in between there. You play Friday and then it's Sunday and then it's you're off Monday and Tuesday and you play Wednesday against the Warriors. Off another game, then Friday against the Bucks. There there are rest opportunities leading into big games that you can get W's. The biggest games they have for the rest of the year involve that stretch of Warriors, Bucks at home, and then Cavaliers on the road. Now, what do you want to see? You want to see all three straight. You just want to see dubs. This team has just been mm-hmm. getting dubs. But if you see even one W and a very competitive other two, and the rest of the teams that they end up playing are bad teams relatively, well, you start feeling pretty good about your Brooklyn Nets. If you see two dubs against that triumvirate of the Warriors, Bucks, and Cavs, you're feeling really good. Yeah. If you see three dubs, well, put your bets in in Vegas because this team's going all the way. Mm-hmm. All the way to, to get the – what trophy is the NBA championship trophy? I mean, it's Larry O'Brien. Larry I still O'Brien. think it's called that. Yeah. But did you see they renamed oh, did they? every trophy? They renamed it? The MVP trophy is now known as the Michael Jordan MVP trophy. Okay. They, they're also going to give out a trophy for most clutch player of the year. Oh. Which is oh. going to be named after Darren Williams. Did you see that? <laughs> Got that. Nice. Got him. Um, no, but they actually will be giving out that trophy. Yes. Yeah. You blew right past it, but I did want to spend a little bit of time on TJ Warren, who has... Yes. I think he's going to be a really meaningful player in the rotation, especially like if, if and when we get to that playoffs that you're speaking of, Mike. Um, it's a rare player but because he's like... He's not... He's not like not athletic, but he's not like traditionally athletic, but he's got just like high dexterity. You know, it's just a very like good hands, high skilled. Um, There's things too that like, like he hits shots that are sort of, they're kind of like if you ever play like NBA 2K and like, because it's a video game, there's like an algorithm, there's like ball squirt out and it'll be like a six foot shot. And somebody actually takes like a set shot and like a full blown, like full extension. (laughs) (laughs) Like he makes those types of shots, which like you know, in, in actual life are not super good and don't often go in. Um, but it's just a very natural feel for the game. I just feel like it's a real stabilizing force, especially in, in as the, the bench shores up. Um, I'm pretty optimistic about our early takes on TG Warren actually mattering on this team long-term. And, and what he fits nicely with is with Ben Simmons. Cause Simmons is all, you know, transition buckets drive. To the, like he had a couple of moments that the sh- I watched on NBA.com where you can watch like every shot attempt. And even the shots that he missed, now, two of them were he was, like, fading away from the bucket while he was driving, which is the classic, I don't want to get fouled. But at least there was the aggression of going towards the bucket to try to to hit a running jumper or whatever it ended up looking like. Um, but TJ Warren fits with him because, you know, you do transition with Ben, you do dunks with Ben or whatever it is, great passing with Ben. And then if things kind of, like, bog down, you have – 
TJ Warren, the good dude to do like a like yeah. very, very poor man's KD. Yeah. You know? Totally. Mid mid range no, guy. He, he creates order a, a little God, bit. <clears throat> he creates a little order out of their chaos. Like those two guys, Nick Claxton and Ben Simmons, like are good at like kind of thriving in the chaos that they create. And then if it doesn't work out and like balls kind of squirt out places, people like TJ Warren who can just like weirdly make difficult shots from odd like anywhere kind of within the mid range, it's just a really good it's a nice way to to make order out of the chaos in an instant. I'm, I just don't want to put too much on uh, TJ's rehabbing body. Okay. You know? All right. Okay. All right. I, take I just the, take to, the air I, out of it. Go ahead. No, I just want I just want him to feel like it, not everything. Not like you know how like Lamarcus Aldridge had four good games and we're like, oh my god, this is a four headed monster. Yeah. And then he disappeared and his body turned into uh, dust. Yeah, it went full tin man. He, yeah. he, like they, you know, Thanos snapped it. Um, let's keep TJ Warren. Like, you know, let's don't put too much on his plate. Right now. Speaking of too much on our plate, let's get another, let's get another email on our plate. That's cheer boy. Ed Carson. That's Ed Carson for you, everybody. Um, coach Jacques Vaughn has been such a massive in all caps upgrade over Nash that it has me wondering, what do you think the dynamic was like when Nash was head coach? Huge question mark. Was JV just biting his tongue the whole time? Or do you think Nash simply wasn't listening to him enough? Big fan of the pod, big fan of the pod and thrilled. You've been able to get back to basketball talk slash just shooting the S. Um, I'm not sure what that they, means, but oh, because of the Kyrie so. stuff. Um, <laughs> good to be good to be back. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Are we giving Jacques Vaughn enough credit? There's people out there who still seem loathe to give credit to Jacques Vaughn. And it might be due at this point, Mike. It might be due. Um, I will take, uh, again, my, my email is nutspot at gmail. All apologies sent to me, president of the Jacques Vaughn fan club. Yeah. Uh, even though people, even when the Nets were winning, people were like, he's still a shitty coach. It's like, how do we, how, everyone, can we, can we go through the receipts? Mike, we, not only did we predict it would happen, right? That's the first thing. Like people were like, that's a dumb idea and it's not going to happen. Don't get dunked on loser. And then two. Okay, if it happens, he's not going to be good. Double dunked on. You know, we beat Indiana on pure, pure coaching prowess alone. Like I would, I would assert. If I had to make a comparable, uh, Nash was JFK and Jacques Vaughn is LBJ. <laughs> LBJ, nice, nice. And like LBJ, Jacques Vaughn planned for Nash's removal. My gosh. Um, I we mean, have to, do we, we do we really do think we, LBJ had nothing to do with JFK's death? This, do we really, Brian? This, I'm glad we can segue into what this last half of the episode is really going to be about. Conspiracies, <laughs> JFK conspiracies. Um, there was a great, I think Kyrie said it after the Wizards game. Uh, it was something about how Jacques Vaughn will actually tell the players uh, if they're not doing the right thing, essentially. It's not like he was burying Steve Nash, but it was something to that effect. That Jacques Vaughn will tell you if you're not doing the right things defensively. And we talked about this before, but there's that clip of where Kyrie doesn't run the play that Jacques Vaughn seemingly wanted him to run. And Jacques called a timeout. And and what was it last night? I think it was going into the second quarter. The, the Nets had only played for 90 seconds and Jacques called a timeout because... Mm-hmm. The Wizards made like a mini, yeah. mini run. Now the quick timeout can be a graining thing over a long period of time, but it's such a stark contrast to Steve Nash, who didn't, who just had no idea what when to call a timeout. I don't think he knew that he had them. I don't think he knew that that was an option for most of the time. So it it is, it's just like you know, it's the honeymoon phase. Sure, fine. I mean, he was on. 
I, I like the idea of was we're you know, was Nash just not listening to Jacques Vaughn? I don't know. I think it's, you know, Steve Nash was the head coach. And when he said he wanted things done a certain way, everyone else kind of had to follow in line. It's not like Jacques is biting his tongue as described. Um, but the, the players have responded to him. And it wouldn't be the first time that an assistant coach was elevated to the head coaching role. And he's done better. I mean, you can see up in Boston, Joe Missoula took over Ime Adoka and the Celtics are just as good as last year, if not just continuing their greatness. Yeah. So it, it is possible. Um, and he's doing a great job. They're, they are a much better defensive team under him. Nash's record was two and five this year, and Jacques is 15 and seven. Let me ask you this. Would the Nets be as good as they are? Like, is Jack Vaughn better than Steve Nash <laughs> in your mind? Um, do, 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 should we really not go crazy? I, I'm not going to go too crazy. I mean, like, and I also, I don't, um, usually read into like press conferences and stuff like that, but it does seem like Jacques Vaughn has a different level of preparedness. He has different things to say going into and out of each game. And there's just a little bit more, um, I don't know, kind of cognitive power going into each night. It seems like, um, by the way, I don't know if you saw the Edmund Sumner, um, like little like before game presser thing that they did before the Indiana game, um, which I really, really thought that that was like all his whole bit was just like, be a star in your role, whatever your role is, be a star in that role. And I don't know if that's a Jacques Vaughn talking point or if that's a OG piece of content from Edmund Sumner, but it is, I mean, it's (laughs) why people like Edmund um, tend to sort of uh, like understand how to make a career in the NBA. It's like on, on the given night, whatever the role is like really, internalize that become the role and then be good at it. And, you know, he kind of exemplified that perfectly in the transition from the Indiana game to the wizards game. Um, and then I look at people like, we're going to get to, this This is going to dovetail super nicely into our next, uh, email, Mike, which is from, that's going to be from cheer boy, Matt. Matt Duelka, thank you for writing us. He says, hi, just as high period. Hello. Hello, Matt. Um, I own a Cam Thomas rookie card, so maybe this is a bias email. Sure. Okay. So just sitting the table here. I see all of these trade scenarios for Cam Thomas this year, but don't we want to think about next year? Kyrie is probably in italics, not coming back. Cam has been a vocal, a focal point in most games Kyrie has missed. Why don't we think we'd keep him? to give him a huge role next year as a possible starter. Also, Katie loves him. Thanks. Love your show. Love you, Matt. Um, hmm. Some thoughts there. Um, well, first <laughs> of all, like tip of the iceberg, uh, Kyrie Irving's contract situation. We don't have to get there yet. We have plenty of time for that. Um, this off season, but, uh, has this recent winning streak made you think about what to do with Kyrie Irving going forward? Nope. No, no. Mike's done. Wow. There it is. Absolutely. Yeah, I don't I don't think there's any way the Nets give him anything more than a year, a year, a year. Like give him a one year contract. <laughs> and year. Like it, it, yeah. unless if they win the championship. Yeah. Honestly. Interesting. I think I mean the Nets are I think the Nets are ultimately done with him. Um but they also know they're in this position where he's too good to trade for what they would get back. Mm-hmm. And so they do value this year and competing for this year. And you know they're just gonna they're just gonna play it out and then let him go and then maybe do a signing trade with another team. I would be very interested to see what if any team ever commits more than one year to him. 
mm-hmm. on a contract. Because he is just Kyrie has just set it up for himself as great as he as he's been since he's come back, which hasn't been like amazing, but he's been very good. Yeah. Um, it's hard to imagine a franchise saying like you know here's the five year four year deal they can't offer a five year, but here's a four year, whatever. Yeah. Like every team's pretty much gonna be like here's a one year, maybe two, maybe you get the two. Yeah. At this point. Um, and then the follow up question but the is: Cam Thomas is Cam Thomas the heir apparent in a world no, of that. <laughs> I'm sorry you bought that rookie I card. I know. I do I do think this the side of also KD loves him is important. I think that's an important data point because we know mm-hmm. that if KD likes someone, they're on this team usually, but or they're an assistant coach or they're in the front office. Do you think Cam Thomas has a huge role next year if if Kyrie leaves? You know, and I think we got a really good in window into what Cam Thomas can be at his maximum potential in that Indiana game, which is an awesome scorer on a on a bad team who might might have some gutsy wins you know like that's that's sort of um yeah. that's where he is and that's he's what 21 20 I don't know, he's very young and that can change and he can get he can refine a lot of those instincts and and you know be a totally different player so i don't want to just like be like hey that's your identity and you're that forever presently that's sort of where he's at i haven't seen a ton to move me off that point um, which is a great thing to have. I mean, it's awesome to be like, you know, and going forward for Jacques Vaughn, like if we want to do a whole nother rest of the starters night. Like I'm here for it. Those are super fun games. Like that was great. Um, <laughs> that's a great way to do it instead of staggering everybody's, uh, off nights. So I'm, I'm into it. Um, but, and, and in those nights, Camp Thomas is super fun to watch. Is he an integral part of our rotation on the, not those nights? Not so much at the moment. That's, that's where I feel. I don't know. Did you see this question about to Jacques Vaughn? I think it was before the Pacers game about, you know, what if Kevin Durant, what if someone bought a ticket in Indiana to see Kevin Durant play? And I'm like, and I'm like, well, your first problem is if you, your first problem is you live in Indiana. So start there. Okay. You know, <laughs> <laughs> got him. suck on that Indiana. Yeah. Um, you know, like I understand if it's Kawhi Leonard, I, you know, and he doesn't play a thousand games. KD plays, Every game, and he plays the most. Like he's always on the floor, yeah, and he's always there. So if you see him in a game, you're getting your money's worth. Plus, we've already played Indiana like 15 times somehow. So, yeah, I don't know how that's set up. How, there's some there's some under the radar yeah. illegal rivalry games that we have to see with Indiana. Yeah, I, I just so I understand the question. You know, it's like a classic thing. Like Michael Jordan used to always talk about. I always played every game because I, if I go into a city, I never know if a kid's gonna only see me this one time in their life, and if I'm not playing, you know, they're gonna be upset or whatever and all that stuff. And I understand it. Kevin Durant's just not the guy. He's not the straw man for that argument. He Kevin Durant plays pretty much every game. Yeah. Go go at Kawhi Leonard or I yeah and be yeah, there's notable like minutes manager type peoples. Anyways, speaking of minutes manager type people. Next up, cheer boy, we got Aaron Voigt of the legendary Voigt cinematic family. Um, Aaron says, and just gets right to it, no flourishes here. What is your dream trade for the Nets this season? Question mark. End of email. Get into it. Yes. <laughs> My dream trade is Jakob Pertl. Jakob Pertl is oh. the guy I want. He's been the guy I want all along, more so than even Miles Turner. Wow. Um, though I would I would like Miles Turner, but I think Jakob Pertl's making like 10 mil a year. I could be wildly off on that. I'll look it up as we talk. But um, he's one of the best post defenders in the league. He has offensive versatility because uh, he's like a nice little passer. Um, he's 
a spur, which mm. everyone loves spurs. Um, he's averaging 13 points and 10 rebounds a game. He's a true blue center. He's a big boy. Yeah. Seven foot one, 260. Um, he, he's the guy I want. And how do you get him? Well, you know, they, he's being paid just under $9.4 million this year, which is very reasonable, very easy to get. Um, you know, the Spurs are tanking. And so like all these trade packages would involve Joe Harris. They don't want Joe Harris. No, they have no, they have no appetite for Joe Harris. Is it like the Seth Curry though? Mm -hmm. And you, it's a three team trade and you're moving one of your shooters to another contender, maybe out West that contenders giving a draft pick to the Spurs and the Spurs give the Nets Jakob. Yeah. You don't like that. Your face went. Uh, I like, I like Seth Curry. That's my thing. I don't want to. I don't necessarily. I like having depth sure. at that at the at the rangy positions. Um, and Seth, unlike Joe Harris, is the type of um, you know three point specific shooter who can actually randomly have a really big game, like twenty nine points. You know, I figured it was like about Charlotte or whoever they played. Um, Joe, we haven't seen that for a long time. I haven't seen like a twenty seven point Joe Harris game in a minute. Um, so obviously. I think I think everyone's in agreement, both for contractual purposes and also just for all the meme purposes that we talk about. Um, Joe Harris would be the ideal person to trade, and so if you could three team it somehow, make that work. But I, I like my Sethi. I don't want to leave. I don't want to lose Sethi. Yeah, I, it. I agree with you. People casually will throw Seth Curry like I did or Joe Harris into trades. I, the second you trade them, one of those two guys, and then one of the other one gets hurt. Then yeah. your your shooters are gone because yep. Patty Mills just can't. You, it seems like they just don't want to rely on him. You know they like him as a a sort of mentor. Mm -hmm. um, and like the funny, the interesting thing about Patty Mills is that if you put him in a deal with like Cam Thomas's contract, you basically get up to Jakob Pertl. Yeah. Um, but they don't seem like they want to trade Patty because he's the Ben Simmons whisperer, and I think he's worth it. Yeah. If he has any positive impact on Ben Simmons, he's worth it. True. I'm with it, Mike. So, who would you want? Uh, I mean, I agree with the target. I think Jakob is the target. I just like I'm just trying to think. Of, like, if it's Cam Thomas and and Joe Harris for me, that's that's a yes. Um, oh, so you, you would be okay trading Joe Harris versus? Well, I just think Sethi. it's. I think you've hit the right target in that. Like, that's the kind of like if we're prioritizing a need, those those are the needs, right? It's still like we don't have our whatever Embiid stopper, Mike, we don't have him. We got to, we got to get him. We got to get him. <laughs> um, so if we want to have that meme, that's, that's a good choice. Um, I really didn't like the John Collins rumor stuff was disconcerting for I don't me. Like it. Yeah. I don't like, I that. don't like it most because like, if you're trying to do anything with Ben Simmons, then having John Collins yeah. doesn't do a thing for like the, because John Collins and Ben Simmons can't play together. Whole problem with John Collins is that he's not a good shooter. Well, and that wasn't always the case, though. I mean, his like shooting dropped off. His, I mean, he's like a good spacer in that he can sit, like he can hit a set th three. Um, but he's not like a, like it has to be a pretty stable. Like we're we're it's he needs time to get that three off. Um, yeah, he's he's shooting horribly. This I should clarify. It, he, he's he's been an okay ish three point shooter. Yeah, he he did hit forty percent from three one year on th three and a half attempts, which is fine. It's good. It's a great year. It's a good year. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think I agree with you. I'm trying to think if there's anyone else that like jumps off the page where it's like, Ooh, got to, got to have them. Um, like Eric Gordon's name has been out there and okay. Like what does he give you that Joe Harris and 
that my my idea of Eric Gordon is like he's a little more versatile offensively, but I haven't watched him play honestly in two years, so I have no clue if he's still Eric Gordon or if he's like, yeah, you know, just an old man Eric Gordon. I have no idea. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But we talked about this before. You know, if you look at their starting lineup, however you want to say who's a starter, but Kyrie, KD, let's say Joe Harris, Royce O'Neal, and Nick Claxton. Well, then you still have then Ben Simmons on the bench. Uh, Seth Curry, Markeith Morris, Yuta Watanabe, TJ Warren, um, Cam Tom. Like you, you do actually have, you're going to begin to actually have a glut of players. And so the equation is okay, do you combine two of the guys who are like C level players to upgrade to that B level? How, you know, two of the C's plus a first yeah. gets you someone really good. Um, that's that's the trades I'm looking at. Can we also? I just want to bring up trades of yesteryear that didn't happen. And how about the sophomore slump, capital S slump of Scotty Barnes? Because uh, I know it's <laughs> an outrageous drop off. What's what's happening there? But let me ask you this: the Would you have taken Jalen Brown now for Kevin Durant? As great as Kevin Durant's been, it's like, well, Jalen Brown's been he's been pretty, pretty awesome. Good. He's been pretty good. I mean, the idea that they wouldn't have traded Scotty Barnes for Kevin Durant right now looks like raffle copter big time. Yeah, it's not. Yeah. That is a bad idea. Um, yeah. Let's take it out. Let's get one last in there. And I think I think we know who it is. It's a special one, Mike. That's true, boy. We got Lou Estevez. Lou sends in a voicemail to us. Send in your voicemails. That's what I really want. This is very long, and this is why it's coming at the end of the show. But Lou Estevez, one of our best listeners, one of the absolute gluiest of glue Mount guys. Rushmore. Absolute Mount Rushmore. Um, he said in this three-minute and 40-second uh, voicemail, and we're going to play it in Hit full. Me. What's up, mis hermanos pegamento? <laughs> hey, what's up, glue guys? This is Lou Estevez leaving a requested voicemail message. Uh, I love this idea, by the way. Um and I know you're going to get a lot of emails and messages about the current uh, Nets win streak, Vaughn's coaching, all kinds of stuff. I'm going to go completely uh, off the rails here and get like a different subject in, and that is Ben Simmons. I just wanted to talk about Ben Simmons and how I see almost like a mini killer comparison here uh, with him and Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones spoilers ahead, just so people know. <laughs> you know, Game of Thrones... Great book. I, I read the books. I saw a little bit of the movie shows. But to me, I often say the redemption arc for Jamie Lannister in Game of Thrones is like one of the greatest literary feats, turning Jamie from like one of the most hated characters in the series from book one to you, some dude you're like actively rooting for. I think Ben Simmons and Jamie Lannister have a lot of interesting uh, killer comparisons, if you will. Uh, they both have this background of being talented, but kind of a dick. <laughs> You have, uh, at the height of my hatred for both, you got Jamie pushing a child, a brand to his near death out of tower window. And that corresponds to me, Ben Simmons in the playoffs against uh, the Nets uh, when he was with the Sixers, laughing at our baby face, Jared Allen, getting, getting elbowed in the face. Like, that's the peak Ben Simmons hate for me. Then, you know, you have that awful playoff experience for Ben against the Hawks. And I admit, I was super gleeful. I was loving every second of it. And our, this is this corresponds with Jamie getting captured in the books. You're like kind of rooting for both demise at this point. And then Ben gets traded to the Nets. I kind of hate this. 
Catherine Starks brings Jamie to her side. Kind of hated that. Trusting him with the Stark lineage. And then you could just see the comparison go. And you got J.J. Rayner podcast comes out. Ben seems a little more sympathetic. On the, on the book side, you got, you know, Jamie all of a sudden starts to really has honor protecting Brienne. And, and all of a sudden you're like, wait, am, am I? This guy's a little more complex than I thought. And then you find out about the physical ailments. Ben gets back surgery. Jamie gets his hand chopped off. Both kind of impede upon their chosen professions. And they got to slowly rehab back into fighting form. So I just wanted to throw out this little killer comparison. I don't know where it's going. I don't know what's going to happen with Ben. I guess, according to the books, Ben's going to be at some point buried underneath a castle full of bricks uh, with his true love. Probably his Ferrari, I'm guessing. Um, but um, I, I, I look forward to seeing the Ben Simmons redemption arc. And it's kind of weird how, you know, it's it's... The story's kind of gone under the radar with with the Nets um, getting better and with um, uh, and Ben being hurt and and out of the lineup. But it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see where this goes. And I just want to throw it out there. Love you guys. Love the podcast. Keep it coming uh, and rock on. Perfect. There it is, Bry. How one does that feel? I will how, say how does that feel. One of the one of the true. Um, like most dastardly and awful things they did with the TV show is just stopping the redemption arc right in its tracks. It was like the most, I mean, the guy's name was the King Slayer. We can't have him slay the Night King. I mean, come on. It, it writes itself, Mike. It writes itself. Oh, so so a woman couldn't kill the Night King, Brian. A woman couldn't, because that, Nicely done. oh, Arya couldn't kill the Night King. I get it. Okay. I would have liked him to be, I mean, if you're going to have Arya kill him, just don't, you know, she just runs up on him and stabs him. You know, it's anyways, we, let's not, <laughs> let's not drudge up ancient history. It's a great, it's a great voicemail. I agree with it almost entirely. Yes. I think it's great. It's a great way to end the show. Um, I need more. I need to see more Ben Simmons to really feel, I feel like constantly that's what I'm saying. Which, which part of the arc are we in? Like where, where are we right now? He is, um, is he? he's maybe about to meet Brienne of Tarth and yeah, like I'm really about to fall in love with him even more. There you go. Um, so nice. I, Lots I, to look forward I hope to. That's true. Yeah. Mike, where uh, they find us? Um, they can find us on Twitter at BK glue guys, netslay.com, uh, discord. Yeah. Discord.gg discord. slash glue guys. You're missing out if you're not there. Thanks guys. See you around. Yeah.